Welcome to Button Chops, the podcast where two miserable millennials from Northern England ask, what's the crack with video games? Or this week, what's the crack with Marvel television series? Sick segue. <laughs> My name's Chris. <laughs> My name's Matthew. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> My name is Matthew. Pull it together, man. <laughs> that was too, it's too focused on that segue. <laughs> It was a doozy. Um, how's it going? I'm absolutely fine. How are you? I'm fine. Uh, Excited for this, not to talk about video games. Yeah, we're going to take a break from our regularly scheduled programming to uh, talk about Marvel's WandaVision, uh, the series on Disney+. Plus. Hmm. Before we get into it, though, as always, just another reminder that if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we'd really appreciate it if you left a review uh, because... It's good to leave a review, apparently. Mm. It's nice. We'll, we'll know that you're listening as well. Yeah, it's nice. And we can go and read the reviews whenever we're having like a, a bad day and think, oh, well, at least this person doesn't hate me. Yeah. As much as I hate myself. Yeah. And then when my uh, gran rings up and she goes, how's the podcast going? I go, go have a look at the reviews. You you tell me how it's going. <laughs> Shut up, grandma. Use, use the fucking internet, you idiot. <laughs> That's what you should say. That's what I would say. That's what Fair I did enough. say to my grandma the other day. Is she all right? She hasn't been all right for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, um, yeah, one division. So that wrapped up on Friday. It's now Tuesday. We've had some time to uh, digest the final episode. Uh, what was your What was your broad reaction to it? What were your What were your immediate takeaways from it? Whole series. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was really good. It was sick. Um, I loved it. It was one of, the most, one, one of the most enjoyable Marvel pieces I've seen in, maybe ever seen, to be honest, for a, mm. for a period, just because it was so interesting and engaging. Um, I don't really like Marvel's usual like formulaic side. Um, sort of the bad guy elements turning up in the Jeeps and stuff like that, which <laughs> this, where, this did go into. <laughs> there, was, there was some Jeeps. <laughs> we got some jeeps at the end <laughs> yeah jeeps and men with hk 47s yeah um but yeah I, d- I don't like that side usually and there was enough in one division for me not to care about that side that much and i was interested right throughout right to the end and really emotionally invested to be honest um but i really loved those first few episodes um sad that it didn't stay like that but it's not really feasible for it to stay like that per se it needs a segue into the mcu you know yeah. But I really loved it. I thought it was great. What about you? Uh, yeah, same. Um, largely the same sort of reaction to it. I think the first half was way of the series was way better than the last half of the series. Mm. But I mean, I, I can't really criticize it for that because it's a Marvel film and, you know, I knew it was going to go that way eventually. There's no way that it wouldn't have. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I'd say the first half of the series is among my f- favorite stuff i've ever seen in the marvel cinematic universe Mm. and uh well i mean i i guess we'll get into it a little bit more because i obviously have uh some mixed feelings on the series on the back half of the series um Mm. 
I think that it maybe didn't live up to the promise of the first half so much in the second half. Um, yeah. But yeah, like I, I mean, I before we kind of get in, uh, we'll we'll go into spoilers and stuff. Yeah, like we'll we'll not bother kind of no, yeah. spoiling things. I mean, who the fuck hasn't watched it? Everybody's think, been watching it week to week. Yeah, I think if people aren't watching it, haven't watched it by now, they're probably not gonna, or they wouldn't be listening to a podcast about it. You know? Yeah. Well, there are some mentalists out there. Yeah. <laughs> Just mute the emails for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Because they're gonna come flying in. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I mean, like, I think we kind of, we talked about this a little bit um, when we talked about it in one of our classic segments this week, Steve. Um, <laughs> but like, what what's your overall kind of relationship with the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Like, you're more of a casual Def- sort of viewer. Definitely casual. Like like I said, like, um, I think the repetitive nature of uh, Marvel films sometimes has driven me away. I actually only got into the MCU probably just before uh, Endgame because I wanted to watch Endgame like, at the time because right. it felt like quite a historic moment in cinema that I wanted to understand whilst yeah. everyone else was talking about it. So I went back and watched everything from uh, Iron Man all the way through uh, and, then watched, and then went to watch Endgame. Um, You've seen all the Marvel stuff. Yeah, I haven't seen any of the shows. This is the first actual Marvel show because I, I found myself actually being like, maybe this is the first Marvel show, but it isn't, is it? They've got like the Netflix stuff. It is. So the the, the Netflix stuff is technically Marvel Cinematic Universe, but it was the Marvel the Marvel movies, like the Marvel Studios movies, um, were are run by Kevin Feige, and the Netflix shows were run by. I think they were run by a guy called Ike Perlmutter, who is like the actual head of Mar- uh, like Marvel Comics, yeah, and uh, a virulent racist and Trump supporter, and uh, <laughs> lovely guy, um, yeah, he's an arsehole. Um, <laughs> but as I don't know, I think that 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 whole th- enterprise, like the first couple of series, like Daredevil and stuff, is is good. I mean, I like Daredevil. Uh, I like the second series of Daredevil, but generally those Netflix shows aren't that great. And they're only really sort of like tangentially linked to the MCU. Like they'll make yeah. reference, they'll make reference to like, uh, a, a big thing in the first Daredevil series was they'd reference the battle of New York all the time, mm. which was the, the, the end of the, uh, the Avengers, but they, they never really linked in directly. And I think with Disney plus becoming a thing, um, they obviously wanted to kind of cut ties with Netflix. And I think they handed over um, the reins to like Marvel TV shows to Kevin Feige. So it's all sort of under one roof now where it used to be. Yeah. Cause I mean, like they had, they also had agents of shield on ABC and I, have you, have you seen any of the inhumans? No. The Inhumans is like a pirate. I actually haven't watched any episodes of it, but I've watched a lot of stuff about it. The Inhumans was slated to be uh, a movie. It was announced as a movie initially. Apparently, uh, Kevin Feige didn't actually want to make an Inhumans movie, and it was Ike Perlmutter pushing them towards doing it because at the time Fox owned the rights to mutants Mm. so what marvel comics was going to do was phase out any emphasis on the x-men and try and replace them with the inhumans and they wanted to have a movie to coincide with that all right so that was sort of happening but kevin feige didn't want it to and then somehow it dropped off as a film so they made a tv series out of it which is like notoriously really really shit 
(laughs) really really shit like you should go online and just look at some clips and stuff of it it looks fucking dog shit um (laughs) and it's it's on disney plus actually but like they bury it like (laughs) finding it on uh, disney plus like you'll never see it on the home screen or anything (laughs) it's not linked to anything else like finding it is quite difficult unless you just search for it directly yeah 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 sorry i'm just going off on a fucking on an mcu (laughs) (laughs) right tangent but uh, yeah so it's a big kind of worms yeah there are other marvel tv shows but this, this is like the first true um, like MCU series. Yeah, this is officially recognized as the first stage of phase four of the MCU, isn't it? Because I was looking into, yeah. I went back to check if I'd actually seen all the films and I looked through the list like phase one, phase two, phase three, and phase four. And I saw One Division was at the top of phase four. Yeah. Um, so, but obviously there wasn't any actual TV shows yeah. in phase one, two, and three. So it's quite a creative little thing to do. So, Black Widow was supposed to be the first phase four thing. Uh, and that was supposed to come out in cinemas last year. Mm. And obviously the pandemic hit. It hasn't released yet. They're holding back until they can release it in cinemas, presumably. Because, I mean, mm. Disney have ov- obviously seen some flops releasing their films to Disney Plus instead of in cinemas. Like Mulan flopped. Mm. And there was another one this week, I think it was called... Raya and Re- the Last Dragon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that's apparently tanked. Um, I went to watch it last night, and I was like, oh, um, it looks like Sekiro. So I was like, oh, that looks actually quite cool. It's been reviewed quite well. So I was like, oh, I want to go watch it. But it's 1999. Yeah, it's what they did with Milan. Like, it's on Disney+, Plus, but you've also got to pay to watch it. And it's like the price you would pay to just rent it through Disney+, Plus is like twice what you would pay for a cinema ticket. Exactly. I think the nature of streaming, like, um, it, it's qu- it can sometimes be quite... Uh, insular and you watch it on your own especially at the minute um yeah and i think that those price points are more targeted towards like groups and families watching it together because obviously they can't charge like 7.99 for a full like family room to watch it but then again the playstation store and stuff's always charged that price but therefore post the theater releases you know they've obviously been blindsided a bit because they had this stuff in production and then the pandemic hit and obviously mm-hmm. like the budgets and stuff uh aimed uh towards recouping in like in a theater release you know Mm. so they they don't have a business model in place to to be like how are we going to recoup these uh this the the budgets for these films without being able to release it in cinema so they're just trying out different like models and stuff and Mm. it doesn't seem like it's really working out for them yeah i guess the industry's got to keep moving now so and they've obviously been really protective of black widow in particular because They've released other stuff since then, but that's still not come out. And I mm. don't think that will until cinemas open. Um, yeah. But I, I'm glad that this was the first thing that came out post Endgame. For one thing, I love, I loved Endgame, mm. and I thought, right, I've, I've had enough Marvel for now. I could yeah, really so. use, you really use a break from this. And, uh, but Black Widow was due to come out, like only a year after Endgame, mm. you know, and it felt like they were going to get straight back on the Marvel train and just keep it going. And I think it's, in terms of, you know, like nerd culture, the pandemic, I think, putting a bit of a dampener on Marvel releases and then allowing it to come back with this really weird show has uh, been a really positive thing. It's made me excite, more excited about the Marvel series future yeah i mean i'm definitely more excited for phase four now 
and which is quite a nice thing from the start of the phase because previously, like I said, I've always watched this big backlog of uh, the MCU and I never really kept up with it. So mm. this gives me a little bit of hope that they might come up with like, at least like some little creative ideas here and there. It doesn't need to be like show-breaking or like changing the entire formula per se, but little ideas and little influences to the wider, even the cinematic world, not just the MCU. Like yeah. it's quite a refreshing thing for me. So I'm interested in watching like the next couple, see if I want to keep up. Yeah. Have you looked at the slate of all the stuff that's coming up yet? Are you yeah. uh, like, what, which ones are you looking forward to? Um, probably Thor. Is it Blood and Thunder? Yeah, Love and Thunder. <laughs> Love and Thunder. Yeah, yeah, I'm up for that. Because um, I really liked uh, Ragnarok. Yeah, Ragnarok's sick. Yeah. It's so one of the best that, MCU films. That again felt a little bit different, but it, well, it was like still the sort of an MCU film that was so extreme that it was just, it amped everything up a little bit more. Because often, like, I find with the MCU, personally, and this might be another opinion that I get hated for, <laughs> but I really don't like Captain America. So every time he's in it, I'm sort of, for fuck's sake. He's so, he's so boring. Oh, no, I love Captain America. <laughs> he's so boring. The Captain America trilogy is the best are among the best uh, films in the MCU, in my opinion. Do you not think the Winter Soldier's class? Yeah, I do, but not because of Captain America. So I like, I really like Bucky. Yeah. I don't like Captain America. He's just boring. He's always so, like, fucking straight-faced. Yeah, I, I mean, that's his character, isn't it? I guess it's just a, a, a taste thing. I mean, I, I guess as a character, I don't find him particularly interesting. Mm. But I do have, I think like the, uh, the MCU, I think is very good at uh, the way it, its characters have really distinct characterizations, even though there's like a fucking million characters in it. Yeah. And like, I think they do the, uh, the Captain America characterization quite well in the way that the other characters sort of like take the piss out of him for just being a fucking yeah. dork. I definitely agree <laughs> that he, he serves a purpose as like an anchor for the MCU and everything around him. Um, don't get me wrong. I just, I just, I just find him boring. Whenever he's on screen, I just want to listen to someone else. But what about is what about when he runs? What do you mean? What about when he runs? He's got like the best fucking run ever. You know when he runs, he's like, you know what I mean. I don't even know what running his is arms, anymore. His arms, his, his arms are like. He... I know what you mean. <laughs> you <laughs> I know what I mean. mean. He's it's got, got like, like a very stiff. Like yeah. gliding torso. <laughs> what about <laughs> it, the bit in a civil war where I tell you, right? I, I'm just mixing them up here, but fucking Black Panther, he's got a sick run as well. And the bit in civil war where they're having that chase and they're they they're, they're sprinting at each other. It's good though. Yeah, that is good. <laughs> to be fair, civil war is a really good film. Civil war's class. Doesn't mean I like him. Yeah, well, you're a uh, dick. But overall, overall the MCU, <laughs> overall the MCU, I find it like. It's, it's ridiculously fun at best and mm. flawless and then sometimes like mind-numbingly repetitive. Some, film, some films fall into their formula so, so hard that even looking at the trailer, I'm always just a bit like, there's the bad guy, there's the good guy. There's yeah. the love interest, that's this. They're very, they're very uh, consistent with their quality control in the sense that I don't think there is really a single bad MCU film but the ones that really stand out are the ones where they get filmmakers who have a bit more of a distinct sort of style, mm. like uh, Joe and Anthony Russo 
and Taika Waititi yeah. and James Gunn, they, they make all of the best MCU films. And it's because as directors, they bring their own sort of style to it. Mm. Yeah. And I guess there is a degree of like, because what one thing the MCU does a lot of is it, it picks in, and presumably it's a it's an economic decision. It's we don't have to pay these people very much. They get a lot of like indie directors in, yeah, and uh, and then you know from there if they if they that film put, performs well critically. I mean they all perform well financially, but particularly I guess critically and financially they then get more films and get more creative control. But yeah. the ones that they bring in, like Taika Waititi, who I guess are sort of considered like sure things, they just sort of, you do get a sense that there's they get a lot more creative control over the films than like uh, other ones do. Mm. Like there was the whole thing with Edgar Wright, like he was originally supposed to make Ant-Man. And right. eventually, because uh, I mean, Edgar Wright is a very sort of, he, he, he's like an auteur type director. He just does his own thing. And uh, he ended up leaving that because it's like they weren't giving him enough creative control. Mm. And then it went to Peyton Reed, who is a man. <laughs> <laughs> I've gone off on a tangent again. I don't know where we were. I, I, <laughs> I am casually into the MCU. Wonder Vision's yeah, nice. Right. Um, let's get back to WandaVision. Yeah, we had to get our, our our MCU bona fides out of the way so people knew that we were qualified to have this discussion. I'm definitely not qualified. Also, there's a question in here where I was just like, mm, not confirmed. I am, I am more qualified than anyone has ever been qualified to do anything in history. And therefore, my opinion on this is right and everyone else's is wrong. <laughs> to be fair. So let's, you've, let's get into it. <laughs> you, have just, you have just flexed, but in like a few words, how into the MCU are you? Because you asked me and we didn't get it, we didn't get it from you. Just... Uh, I mean, I, it's right. I, I really like the Marvel films. Uh, I've watched them since, I mean, I remember going to the cinema to see Iron Man. Yeah. And at the time, it wasn't the MCU. It was just an Iron Man film. And, uh, I, I was, I remember being blown away by it, especially because like, I've, I grew up liking comic books. I wasn't like ever like a super hardcore comic book nerd, but I was very, I was much more into comics than anybody else I knew. Yeah. And, uh, so I kind of knew when Iron Man came out, I was like, oh, this is weird. They've made a like a, a film out of essentially a B-list Marvel character that hardly anybody really knows. <laughs> like, I only really knew about Iron Man from, I think he maybe showed up in a couple of comics that I read. I was mainly into sort of like Spider-Man and stuff. And then, uh, and also there was an animated series in the 90s that was like one of the lesser known sort of superhero animated mm. series. Like you had like X-Men and stuff. Everybody fucking knows X-Men. Yeah, yeah. Has with its the the uh you know great great theme music and stuff yeah. and the spider-man animated series but there was not there was an iron man one as well so i knew him from that and i was just really like surprised that it was actually a really good film and then i remember the announcement that they were doing the avengers and that all of the other uh characters were going to be brought into it like at the time nobody knew to stay back after um after the credits at the end of a film. Mm. So I didn't know that there was a post credit scene in Iron Man until like a year after it had come out <laughs> when Sam Jackson turns up as Nick Fury. I was like, what? But uh, yeah, I like the Marvel films. I tend to kind of follow 
the news about what's going on and then what's coming out um, uh, quite a lot. Um, but I'm not like obsessive over it. You know how you see like people online who uh, they, they, they use it as like uh, some sort of badge of honor that like you know loads about comic book characters yeah. where it, when in reality what they've done is they've heard that something is getting made and then they've gone online, Googled as much as they can about it. And then they kind of walk around swinging, swinging their dick around yeah. being like, so, so easy to do. Watch a few YouTube yeah. videos. You know, like, oh, you didn't know that that was the dark hold in Agatha Harkness's basement. <laughs> you fucking idiot. <laughs> so yeah, I, I like, I like the MCU. Uh, I think it's one of the genuinely, I think it's one of the greatest achievements in cinematic history that they've made a mostly cohesive series of movies that are all consistently good and consistently feed into each other with increasingly complex storylines. And it's lasted over a decade in like 23 yeah. films yeah. and a TV definitely. series. I think it's, I think it's definitely one of the more like you look back at, look back at this at our age now uh, in like 20 years, we'll be like, that was like a period of time where, the MCU was like, I don't want to say at its peak because that sort of yeah. defeats the next ones. But um, I just think that it's one of the only consistent series that's came out over our time. You look back at like the 80s and the 90s um, and our parents and stuff would have been brought up with like Star Wars and that was a very consistent long period of like fleshed out characters that they felt like they grew up with. Um, and although we haven't necessarily grown up with the MCU, it's been around for long enough to like span a couple of periods of our life. I think it's been quite important. Yeah, I mean, I saw Iron Man when I was 16, mm. you know. I kind of have grown up with it. Yeah, you're 78 now. Yeah, getting there. <laughs> <laughs> ne nearly 78. <laughs> it is, uh, and I mean, yeah, like back in the 80s when Star Wars came out, I mean, Star Wars, the first Star Wars trilogy was three films over a six-year period, mm. you know. Like, there's three Marvel films a year. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and it, it's it's nuts. I mean, it's really fucking impressive. Uh, regardless of whether you want to get into the whole Martin Scorsese, is it art or is it theme park rides bullshit or not? Yeah. Um, it's still like a huge achievement. So, yeah, I mean, like, one division. <laughs> it was good, wasn't it? <laughs> Pretty good. Um, so what about the first like few episodes? They were my favorite. Yeah, I think like the it the way it was released cuz it was two episodes at first I think and then it went to a weekly format. Mm. I know a lot of people were sort of complaining at the time like oh it's too slow, it's too slow like you don't know what's going on. Uh but I think it was nice to just sort of like ease you back into the MCU after like the just the fucking giant cataclysmic bang of the end of Endgame. And mm. it was nice, I think, having a TV show format was nice in the sense that it allowed you to just kind of spend more time with the characters uh, yeah. rather than, you know, you're constrained to like a two to three hour film. It's hard to juggle like the expectations of having the Marvel action with like the good character moments. And the characters are really the reason that you've like, you stay attached to a series for like 10 years, you know? Yeah. I think the weekly format really worked whilst it was uh, in the 50s, 60s, 70s, like sitcom mm. pieces though, because they're meant to be sort of like one-off pieces that you don't 
necessarily yeah. binge and watch one after the other. You watch it and take it in and think about like you know the cinematic nods and things like that. Um, whereas maybe towards the end, it just, the weekly format didn't really work because it was just coming to the end very quickly. But those first episodes worked really well because you watched them in isolated versions, quite like you would usually watch a sitcom back in the day and things like that. Yeah, I don't know if it was paced particularly well in the back half of the series. I don't know. I it's kind of it's kind of hard to say because I really really enjoyed the first couple of episodes, but I think the main reasons I enjoyed them was much more for the atmosphere and the way that it really like it the, it perfectly captured the aesthetic uh, choices from the series that they were referencing you know like it just yeah yeah it was really impressive to see um see them really authentically recreate these like like old sitcoms apparently like uh the the earlier ones they had they had a live studio audience when they were recording them so it's not like it's not like canned laughter there actually is like a studio audience there and, is that, uh, so is that is the studio actually later on in the series it um it shows it goes back and you see the set design of the house is that the actual studio i mean i think? assume it must be yeah um it's all good and also apparently the cast and crew uh like they were dressed as if they were the cast and crew on a show in that time as well oh really that's really good apparently yeah and th- as well like the special effects and stuff it must have all been a you know it was all would have been done practically because they were essentially making it in the same way that those sitcoms would have been. So just, I think like just from a filmmaking perspective, it was really fun to watch because yeah, it was like two characters that, you know, from uh, like, you know, like big dumb superhero films being sort of transplanted yeah. into like these different genres, which is uh, one of the things that I really think the MCU has, uh, is done well. Hmm is uh dabbling in different genres instead of you know like all superhero there's like a sort of like a trope like a stereotype even that superhero films are all the same but like mcu is consistently sort of defied that by Mm. taking different genres and sort of wrapping it around their superhero stuff yeah so that's what i really appreciated for another thing i really appreciated it for was it gave in particular, Elizabeth Olsen, because she's a really, really good actress who I think has been maybe, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? I feel like she hasn't really had a chance to shine in the MCU. No, definitely not. You know, she's always showed up with like a sort of silly Russian accent and done some schwiggly schwiggly with her hands and shot, <laughs> shot some red lights around. And, but like, if you've ever seen her in, she, she did a film, I think it might've been her first big, like cinematic role, um, called Martha Marcy May Marlene, which is, uh, she plays like a woman who's escaped a cult and is then, uh, she has yeah. to move in with her sister and her sister's husband. And she's like traumatized from what happened to her. And it's, it's like a Manson family type cult. And she's just she's brilliant in it and she's a really good actress and she's never really had a chance to shine in the MCU. So I think it was really interesting at, um, this giving her a chance to sort of like flex a bit as an actor. Yeah. 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 She was really good. I think she nailed the like sort of the unraveling of her sort of consciously telling lies while she was in it. 
sort of you could see behind the the smiles that everything wasn't quite right um and she she started to seem like the bad person before she was actually revealed to be potentially sort of flexible protagonist you know what i mean or antagonist yeah i by the end i feel like i'm not really sure how well they handled the morality of what she did no definitely not it was a little jumbled. I mean, I, they, I, kudos to them for trying to deal with it. You know, the, you get that scene of her like walking out at the end, and the towns, the townsfolk are like giving her the stink eye, and uh, and she's a bit like, oh, awkward. But um, at the same time, you've got Hayward, you know, the the director of Sword, who's oh, he, that see what I mean? This put me put me right off when he turned. I up. mean, like he gets. A, I mean, fair <laughs> enough. He tried to he tried to murder some children. Um, but like he gets arrested and everybody else is just like, you're free to go Scarlet Witch. It's fine. It's fine that you just took an entire town hostage and tortured them for like, what was what? Like a week, two weeks. Uh, I feel like, mm. I don't know if it, if it dealt with that particular, <laughs> particularly well. Yeah. Cause they had that scene, don't they? Where, where maybe we jump a bit far ahead here, but they, um, have that scene where, she, what's her face? What's the character called? Monica Rambo. Oh, she said something. Or yeah, Maria yeah. Rambo. I she says um, which one she is. I always get their names mixed up. She says, "Oh, don't worry about them. They'll never know like what you've sacrificed." But what did she sacrifice? Because the whole thing was sort of made up, you know. And she, she, she held like people, thousands of people, prisoner. And there was loads of moments where people were like saying that they hadn't like seen their kids yeah. or, and they were like, they were like achingly yeah. depressed. They were like sick of her. They heard all of her thoughts. They experienced her nightmares. She's got like a traumatic past. <laughs> and every time they like got snapped out of it, they looked like in complete despair. It was like very terrifying moments. And when they came out of it, of course, they were given the like dirty looks. Like they've been through like probably one of the worst experiences imaginable. <laughs> yeah, it had it had like shades of like, oh, it's fine. Like it's totally justified that you did this because your grief somehow trumps their like <laughs> agony. <laughs> somehow trumps the like their their suffering as you torture them mentally <laughs> for like weeks on end. And made them appear in your house going, ta-da! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Making them pretend to be actors in the television show of your life. It, yeah, it it was a bit like jumbled. Um and I guess that is coming out of it. Like I think the first couple of episodes I was like tweeting like One Division it's a banger. It's like the best thing ever. And I do maintain that like the the first half of the series like, I really really loved it, but I feel like maybe when it gets to its end it didn't really fulfill the promise of the beginning that well because I feel like it doesn't handle everything it sets up. It, it, yeah. felt, it, it, it felt like two different shows. I mean, just going back to those first few episodes again, like you had like almost, it was the, it was a love letter to cinema in a lot of ways and, and well, TV. Because um, like they had those moments where like there was an episode in, I think it was episode four, uh, where Wanda moved forwards um, in time, I think after the kids were born, and the aspect ratio of the screen goes from like four three to like sixteen nineteen, but then it gets pulled back, and in, within one episode, you had the aspect ratio change, then also come back. But every time the aspect ratio changed, it wasn't just done for the sake of it, because the composition of the shots 
was also telling of that aspect ratio. So it went widescreen and there was a focus on like shoulder up, like character moments as she had like a interaction with uh, Rambo, I think. And then it went back to the square format where it felt like we were like experiencing people like living in little boxes and everything was quite fixed shots. And um, those kind of moments in the start were like amazing. But it, But even then, if you look at it, the story was still setting itself up for the story that was coming towards the end. And as the story unraveled, it did maybe lose its way a bit as those like sort of cinematic uh, nods were lost, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think from a from a purely filmmaking perspective, yeah, like it absolutely nailed it. And those moments were the moments that I really enjoyed, you know, those little sort of like cinematic flourishes and mm. nods to it sort of changing genre and referencing different periods. Um, it felt like a really, like they'd come up with a really good concept for the series, which initially in execution worked really well, but at the justification mm. for it all didn't feel completely fully thought out yeah and i guess like i want to kind of use that as a jumping off point to get into one of my big issues with the series was evan peters showing up as quicksilver (laughs) so how did what was your reaction to that as someone who had like had to sort of binge through all of the marvel films and i don't like had you watched the x-men no idea i just knew i knew it was her brother as soon as he opened the door um, I was sort of forgetting what uh, is it Petro Petro um, what he looked like. So when he when he turned up, I was just like, "That's that's her brother." That's Quicksilver. And my housemate went, "Oh, do you know who that is?" By the way, and I was like, "Yeah, it's her brother." And he was like, "Oh." And then he explained afterwards um, that he was Quicksilver in X Men. The full idea behind that is that at the time that Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver were introduced in the MCU. Fox owned the rights to the word mutants and the X-Men. Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch are traditionally mutants in the comics. Like, they're they're origins in the comics. I think over time, Scarlet Witches has changed. Um, On some sort of technicality, they got around that by having Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver show up in Avengers Age of Ultron only if they weren't referred to as mutants and weren't referred to right. as Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. So they, they couldn't be called yeah. that by like their superhero names and they couldn't be called mutants. And at the same time, they had Pietro Maximoff as the character Quicksilver, who is a mutant in the X-Men movies, show up in Days of Future Past, I think was the first one he shows up in. And like he is known... They killed... Aaron Taylor Johnson's Quicksilver off in Age of Ultron straight away and kept um, Wanda Maximoff in. But Quicksilver in the X-Men movies, which at the time was owned by Fox, who made different studios, separate universes, was really popular because of like the scenes in his films were like really, they were really fun and really well done. And since then, like that, that X-Men franchise is sort of dead and Fox Mm has been bought Fox like films like the movie business under Fox has been bought out by Marvel. So they now own the rights to all of that. So a lot of people saw that and went, Whoa, (laughs) hang on. Like, does that mean that characters from the Fox X-Men universe are now going to be brought into the Marvel cinematic universe? Like it felt like when it happened, it was like this, like, 
monumental shift in the laws of the fuck like the Marvel universe, which they'd already sort of dabbled with a little bit because um fucking what's he called? J.K. Simmons shows up at the end of Spider-Man Far From Home as J. Jonah Jameson. Mm. And he played J. Jonah Jameson in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy. All right. So it was like, whoa, hang on. Does that mean that like these universes are sort of converging here? Does that mean that we're going to start getting characters from the, the other universes coming through into the uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Hmm. I, I didn't understand because I, I got that bit and then we got slowly towards the end and I was like, um, all right, so this could be a crossover. But then... When he got revealed to be Ralph Boner, I was just like, what? Like, is that, so was he there or was it Wanda's imagination or was Wanda making Ralph Boner play uh, her X Men version of her brother? So it wasn't Wanda, it was Agatha Harkness. I mean, I guess this is right. This is one of the issues. I guess one issue with the finale is that it was like nearly an hour long and yet didn't explain certain elements terribly well but what i took from it is ralph boner is an actor he had an actor's headshot and agatha harkness has brought him into the hex giving him powers through that necklace thing right so that he can run fast like quicksilver and then sent her to she kind of says when she does the little uh it was agatha all along song at the end of one of the the episodes where she reveals it was her. She has a, you know, she's out on the lawn controlling Evan Peters as he's at the door. Mm. So the, the implication is like, he's like an actor and she's using him to convince Wanda that she's brought, uh, that she's recast her brother in the hex. Right. Right. Wasn't she? Cause I thought he was, there was a point where they were in like the town square mm. bit. I think on the Halloween episode where Evan Peters' character was um, asking her like how she brought Vision back. Was that not what Agatha was trying to get out of? Yeah. So uh, there's a bit where Agatha kills, is it the, the, the dog? Agatha kills the dog. And the kids <laughs> are like, oh no, should, uh, the dog's dead. Uh, and then like Agatha Harkness is like, can you bring her back? You know what? One of the kids asks Wanda, "Can you bring her back, Mom?" And and he's and she's like, "Yeah, can, can you kill her? You know, like she's she's killed the dog just yeah, to see yeah. if if Wanda can bring her back to life." And I think that was the intention: is she's tricking her into thinking that quick she's brought Quicksilver back somehow, even though he's physically a different person. Oh yeah, and she's yeah, trying yeah. to get him to dig for information. My problem with it is first of all i mean the fact that i've just had to give like that much explanation for it shows that it doesn't really make sense but the the biggest problem i have with it is that it served no real purpose within the plot it was purely for the audience and i like i hate that kind of thing you know like that was there for the audience to go, what? Which is exactly what I did when I was watching it. I was sat there like screaming what at the TV because I thought I was, there was no, I had no expectation that there was going to be multiverse type stuff in this series. You know, like that was never Mm. part of the setup, but then you drop that in and it's like dangling in front of uh, the audience saying, oh, 
maybe there's going to be a multiverse. And I mean, we know we know <laughs> there's going to be a multiverse because Doctor Strange, the next Doctor Strange movie is called Doctor Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. So straight yeah. away you're like, well, hang on a minute, like this has totally redefined what I thought was possible from the multiverse in inverted commas. Yeah. But then at the end, it's just like, oh yeah, it was nothing. And it was, and I, I, I don't <laughs> like the fact that it's Ralph Boner. Like, it's funny. Like, yeah, it's a funny joke. It's also a bit of a finger up, isn't it? To everyone that was sort of falling for it. <laughs> I mean, I, I think like some like butter MCU fanboys will view it that way. But like, oh, the, the f- disrespecting the fans, man. You gotta, <laughs> we, we uh, don't disrespect us. But like the the fact that it's just a goofy joke at the end, I like I'm fine with. It's just like it it was purely for the audience. Like within the reality of the show, Wanda Maximoff has no idea who Evan Peters is. You know what I mean? Like yeah. her brother Pietro Maximoff looked like Aaron Taylor Johnson. Not Evan Peters. Evan Peters and Aaron Taylor Johnson don't look anything like each other. The only reason <laughs> that anybody would see that and go, oh my God, it's Quicksilver, is because the audience knows that Evan Peters plays Quicksilver in the Fox universe. Wanda Maximoff, yeah, yeah. having, you know, like what, what would lead anybody to think that if someone turned up at your door and went, hello, sister, I am your brother, yeah. that you would just be like, oh, okay, this must be my brother Quicksilver. <laughs> you know, and the other thing that I don't like about it is that it's the sa- literally, like literally exactly the same thing they did in Iron Man 3. Yeah. With with the Mandarin. It's like, oh, it's yeah. the Mandarin. It's the Mandarin. Look, here he is. He's the bad. Oh, it's not. It's a, it's an actor called Trevor Slattery. It was <laughs> exactly the same thing. He was an actor. Oh, like, come on. Like, I just... <laughs> I loved, I loved the reveal. Like, oh my God, that's so cool. Evan Peters is Quicksilver. And then the way that they totally just, to me, it didn't follow through on what it could have meant for the universe. Whilst also it being like sort of like tacky fan service. It's literally just there for fans of superhero films who get the reference. Yeah. And the fact that it doesn't really add anything to the story it was just like a bait and switch. Hmm. I just, uh, yeah, it annoyed me. Anyway, that was yeah. the end of my TED talk. <laughs> get, getting the impression that you weren't a fan of Evan Peters as Petra. <laughs> no, actually, the thing is, is that I actually, like, I much prefer him playing Pietro to Aaron Taylor Johnson. And that I was yeah. really excited at the thought of them bringing him into the universe as Pietro. So, I mean, like, maybe you could argue, like, you could argue, oh, it's my fault for getting excited that um, that Evan Peters might come back as Quicksilver. But it's not because I didn't put Evan Peters in the fucking show. Marvel did, like, you know, like, they didn't have to put him in it. <laughs> so they could have had Aaron Taylor Johnson come back as Quicksilver, you know, and then if they wanted to just fucking get rid of him, then they could have. It just doesn't make sense. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It's a bit of a dig. It's just a, it was a cheap, it was a cheap, cheap gag, which is fine, would have been fine 
but it didn't really serve the series. I think it ultimately ended up being to the detriment of the series. Yeah, yeah. Rather than it being like a fun, like I actually like people hate the Mandarin thing in Iron Man three, but I actually think it's pretty funny. Like I thought it was quite funny that he turned out to be a man, an actor, an alcoholic actor called Trevor Slattery. Like I thought that was pretty funny. I mean, I, I, it doesn't really matter because the Mandarin is actually going to be in the MCU, the real Mandarin. What the thing yeah. is, the back there was a backlash to that, and then they did like a Marvel one shot thing where they showed Trevor Slattery in prison, and I kind of I can't remember exactly but basically in that one shot it reveals that he there is actually a real mandarin in the mcu and then right. he's going to be in shang chi in the legend of the ten rings the one of the films from right. the phase four, four slate the legend of the ten rings being a reference to the mandarin so mm. like they're going to do the mandarin anyway but i just think I've totally lost my train of thought. I mean, I'm getting so <laughs> getting so worked up about it. Like. <laughs> you have, you've got a lot of passion in your heart. For, uh, Can you see uh, all the the beads of sweat trickling down my forehead? I've just been staring at you for like what <laughs> half an hour. We'll say it's half an hour. Just like going, fucking hell, he, he really cares about this. <laughs> you can't, you can't, you can't see me like individually snapping every one of my toes under <clears> the table <laughs> in, in rage. They're <laughs> so gone. Going back to the start of the podcast, you are passionate about the MCU, yes. <laughs> I suppose I suppose I am, but I'm not I'm not willing to acknowledge that. Speaking of multiverse hints, um I <laughs> I, I didn't really care for that all that stuff that much. I sort of got it, but I didn't understand. Now I sort of do, now that you've explained it to me. But um when when I finished WandaVision, I I went on like Facebook or something the next day and it was like an IGN article being like, Oh, there's two endings, two end credit scenes for uh, WandaVision. Yeah, and I was like, "What's that?" So I went back because I I watched it, and I I only had one, I swear. And I even went back and checked it earlier, and there was only one. There was definitely two. So, <laughs> so I went on YouTube, and um, I was like, "Oh, second uh, end credit scene, Wonder Vision," and there was like some footage of Magneto controlling Vision. That's fake. And I, exactly. So I so I had that, and I was like, "Fucking hell!" If Magneto turns up at the end of Wonder Vision, that's well good. And then when I was when we were preparing this podcast, and I was like, "Yeah, Chris isn't mentioning Magneto in Wonder Vision," <laughs> and I even had a I had like a note being like, "Ask Chris what <laughs> I was going on with Magneto," <laughs> and then just literally half an hour before the podcast, I started doubting it. I was like, "Is that really was Magneto really in it?" And I went and looked on YouTube, and everyone was like, "Fan fake, <laughs> fan made." <laughs> I was like, "Oh fucking hell!" The thing is, the whole Quicksilver thing made me wonder whether. Right, so one one thing, I guess, peripheral to the to the series was that Paul Bettany had given an interview, like a few weeks ago, maybe I don't I don't know I don't know when it came out, but he in the interview had said, "Oh, in the final series, I got to work with uh, an actor who I've always respected and always wanted to work with, and our chemistry in our scenes was great, and I'm really looking forward to working forward uh, looking forward to working with them again in the future." Everybody heard that and went, well, who's that going to be? Is it, <laughs> is it Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange? Is Doctor Strange going to show up in the finale? Oh, uh, well, our oh, Quicksilver's been in it. So maybe it's, maybe it's uh, Ian McKellen as Magneto. It was, it was a joke. He was talking about himself <laughs> <laughs> because he fights himself. There's two visions <laughs> in the final season. But that that is kind of the issue, I guess, with, 
things like the MCU and things like Star Wars is that they're so they have such hyper obsessed fan bases that they latch onto anything mm. and then suddenly you've got people online making fake post credit scenes with Magneto in them and I think that the general there was a sort of general consensus I guess a lot of people were disappointed with the finale because it didn't have any big moments like that in like all the way through like there was a, a throwaway line in one of the episodes where Monica Rambeau is like oh uh, I know a a physicist or someone who can help me. And it just turned out to be like a random, like no name character, but people straight away were like, Oh, is John Krasinski going to show up as Reed Richards, you know, from the fantastic four, because they've announced a fantastic four film and the fan casting for it has been, everyone wants John Krasinski to play Reed Richards. So people build things up in their mind and then they get angry when it doesn't pay off. And Hmm. I try to avoid that. Like, I don't feel like any of my criticisms of the show revolve around, I didn't get what I wanted. Maybe the Quicksilver one a little bit. But then again, it's not like I had an expectation that they were going to bring the mutants into it. Like, they put, they chose to put Evan Peters in. So that immediately makes you think, oh, well, maybe they're going to actually do something with this. And they didn't. I think, uh, I think I personally like really enjoyed the show maybe more so because i don't really care about what's happening with the wider mcu yeah. or like how it links with everything so i'm not like sat there being like especially even towards the end which did sort of taper off in quality but i wasn't sitting around going like oh, i wonder if this person is going to come in i didn't pick up on any of those nods so i just saw it as like a wonder character story yeah that's that's all it was i didn't even really i quite i liked vision but it was it was about wanda and that's what it started off being about it's about wanda's struggles and how she's dealing with like catastrophic loss like um it wasn't really about anything else and like when the rest sort of came in i found myself like switching off and being like where's wanda i just wanted to go back to wanda and like get a bit deeper into like why she was doing it um and so I really enjoyed it just for that. And like, I didn't, I didn't care where it was going and I've already, I know there's an, there's more coming or at least if, you know, they had that wonder will be back sort of end bit, but I don't know if that necessarily means season two it might just mean it's linking into some other film. Um, I don't think there'll be a season two. I think I see all of these series in the same way, like they're kind of one-off storylines, I guess. That all they're feeding into the greater narrative. Yeah. I, c- I can't really imagine how they would do a season two of, I mean, of one division particularly. I guess they probably. I imagine they'll either give Scarlet Witch, hmm. um, like a film or another series that's revolving around her. I presume that will happen in hmm. some capacity, but it. I don't think it'll be one division season two. You know. Yeah. But I, I, I agree. Like this was how Marvel do, do, uh, does a. Ah, grammar. This is how Marvel <laughs> would do a character study. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it was like it was an an examination of like Wanda's grief. Yeah, and I think it was great that we got that because she's always been a character that is always sort of just sort of been in the background a little bit. Even though a lot of the big moments in the MCU have revolved around her, particularly the end of Infinity War with her and Vision. Yeah. But like, she's always just sort of someone who just, is just like sort of popped in and out and does a, does a silly Russian accent and, well, not Russian, Eastern European, vaguely Eastern European accent. 
Um, and I think it was really nice to get something that really like allowed Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany some like real screen time, but also like the best moments of the whole series. I mean, in one, the one thing that's become that massive meme is the, uh, the, that like amazing line in like the, uh, the exposition dump episode where Vision turns around to her and says, what is grief if not love persevering? Mm. Like some of the best moments were like the, just the moments between. Yeah those two and that's ultimately what the series was about i didn't even really see it about vision i saw it about her like dealing with vision's loss but like you just mentioned the exposition episode that's episode eight right yeah that like to me was where the whole thing sort of gelled and i know that's the point of an episode like that but there was a lot of like even the sitcom side like it justified the sitcoms outside of a, a gimmick or a cinematic nod by explaining that it was her like safe place like sitcoms have always been her safe place even as a child because they're a reminder of a time when her family was together um and there was like moments where after the bomb bombing of her house where she loses her parents she starts like focusing on the tv screen so there's a sitcom on because she needs to stay calm to help petra and herself survive and um that's always been um her, almost her personality so they have that scene as well where vision goes in when she's at the uh, avengers hq and she's watching like a sitcom and then vision eventually like breaks in a little bit and he gets somewhere with her where she starts explaining what the sitcom is and like what he's watching and then that's when they start gelling because he came into her safe space bubble which is her way of dealing with, with things and what wonder vision setup is it's, it's just her in an ultimate safe space after like dealing with yet another massive loss in her life and she's a flawed hero as like a result because she she is turning selfish to satisfy her own like need for like resolution and comfort um but it's something that marvel maybe don't do enough where they have heroes with those real human flaws it's something yeah i mean she's always been sort of a complex character because she was brought in as a villain initially and by the end of Age of Ultron, she's fighting on the side of the Avengers. But I do think it's something that Marvel flirts with, but never really sees through to its logical conclusion, is having a hero who's a bit more complex than just they're, good, they're a goodie or a baddie, you know? Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And I think even here, like towards the final episode, that complexity gets a little garbled and it's not, you're not entirely clear how you're supposed to feel about it because you again like you're getting the the villagers the villagers you're giving the townspeople you probably made them sound like a bunch of like fucking stupid hay seeds like in animal crossing characters those fucking yokels in westview no they are like the, the townspeople um are given her the stink eye but then you're also getting these like heroic shots of her like you know framed with her family like i feel like it was sort of the 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 superhero tropes were getting a little jumbled in between the sort of like the morally gray aspects of what she'd done yeah much in the same way that like i don't feel like the mcu ever really fully dealt with the morally gray bits of what like iron man did in like civil war and that sort of thing you know by the end of endgame like he's a, still the the super duper superhero man mm. and uh I think it's interesting that they've set up the idea of the Scarlet Witch as something that can potentially destroy uh, the, uni uh, yeah, the universe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think they're obviously teeing her up to be a really important character in the future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. She's already confirmed to appear in uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Mm. So 
I'd like to see more of that, and I'd like to see them deal with the the morally grey aspects maybe a bit more tactfully than they've traditionally done. Yeah. But I mean, I, I'm not expecting too much because it's it's Marvel, you know. Yeah. Like it, at the end of the day, it's why like even though I was kind of disappointed by the last couple of episodes as opposed to the first couple, I'm much more thankful that we just got those early episodes and that the Mar- the Marvel Cinematic Universe is now at a point where it can do creatively interesting things like that. Yeah. And I wasn't expecting, I, you know, I knew it was going to end with a big thing of people flying around in the sky, shooting laser beams <laughs> at each other. Cause that's just Marvel. Like it's they're, they're big popcorn type things yeah, like yeah. popcorn movies and now series, I guess. So I'm not like, I'm not like bummed out about the final episode, but I think, yeah, I've, gone off on a tangent again it's fine i like her i like her being i like her coming a bit front and center because like you said there that like universe destroying power almost like when i was watching it like it's quite lovecraftian in the way that it's terrifying because Mm. whilst i was watching it these moments where these um townspeople and stuff are sort of being mind controlled were terrifying and she has the power to expand that out potentially to infinity which makes her like a very like universe beating force, which just makes you your like heart drop as a human being because we need like things to be sort of calculated in front of us. And uh, Marvel sometimes <clears throat> sometimes has that like universe beating sort of power, or at least world beating power. But often mm. our favorite core heroes are like quite human in a way. You know, they'll be fighting in a street, but she's a very different like kind of beast. Yeah, I, I think it's kind of a weird thing that they've done that. They've done this a couple of times in the last couple of years, which is a little weird to me, really. Like they've kind of done it. I mean, Kevin Feige, I think, came out around the time Captain Marvel came out, hmm. came out in an interview and said, Captain Marvel is the most powerful Avenger. You know, like as if we're all supposed to be like, whoa, what really? Wow. <laughs> but and they're doing it in this one with Scarlet Witch and also particularly saying, oh, she's more powerful than the Sorcerer Supreme. So the, the Doctor, she's more powerful than Doctor Strange. Yeah, yeah, It's a little bit like, right, I mean, that sounds cool, but like, why should I give a shit about that? Like, if anything, and I think it might be a reason in particular that Scarlet Witch has maybe traditionally been a little bit hard to kind of deal with in the in the films. In the same way that like, they've never really nailed Superman in a movie yeah. because like, how do you relate to that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like I know that you particularly <laughs> you voiced your disdain for him in this episode, but like people love Captain America because he's just a man. Like, yeah, I mean, he's a man a with, <laughs> he's got a big shield and yeah, he's got his super soldier thing, but of all the Avengers, he's got, he's probably, he was always among the least powerful, especially amongst the initial core team of the Avengers. Mm. And yet some of the best moments in all of the MCU, I mean, straight away springing to mind is the trailer for Infinity War. That when they dropped the trailer for Infinity War, that last shot was Captain America catching Thanos's fist. Yeah, yeah. And like, I remember watching that being like, oh, that's, <laughs> And I reason I loved it so much is because like Captain America is not one of the most powerful Avengers, but his whole thing was that he was so he had so much um he was so incorruptible and 
you know, I don't know, just, he was a spunky lad. Yeah. You know? <laughs> he was just a bloody spunky lad. And like, he's very small in the, uh, in the first Captain yeah. America. <laughs> like the, the idea that like a man who was like a soldier in world war two, who had some, you know, he's got a shield and whatever. And I mean, yeah, he's super strong, but like not that super strong compared to like the mad Titan, like this galactic entity, Thanos, like people throughout the entire thing has been built up to be the big bad of the entire MCU up until then. People saying things like, oh, you can't kill Thanos. Like, and he's no one who's more powerful than Thanos. And yet he has Captain America fighting him. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> like hand to hand. Like it was exciting because primarily because he's such a human character compared to the other ones. So then I, I yeah, like you're right. Like teeing up a character who is emotionally, you're emotionally relating to their grief and their, uh, their trauma, but also saying, but she's also the most powerful one in the universe (laughs) is like, right. But I I don't really care about that. Yeah. I also, I'm a little bit wary of them leaning into the fucking totally overdone trope that was particularly was done with like uh, the X-Men films with Phoenix, mm. whereas the woman who has become too powerful and therefore she must be stopped. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we don't want, we don't want to kill you Scarlet Witch, but you're going to destroy the universe. You don't, you, you can't handle this power because you are just a woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a, you are just a sad woman with emotional trauma. So we, I'm sorry, but we have to kill you. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that is like a really gross thing that a lot of these films do. Yeah. And I don't want, I don't want that either. Captain you know? America and the boys turning up in the fucking, with the pints of Carlsberg. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, I mean, it could go off in any sort of number of directions. Uh, and I guess we can sort of, like, wrap it up around that, I guess, that point is, like, where where you kind of see it going. I don't know. I don't, until we had this conversation, I didn't really care to know where it was going. I just written it off as, like, WandaVision mm. was good. Be nice to see Wanda in whatever she's next in. Like, I saw it like that, uh, rather than any sort of link. But I do think, I know what you mean about that trope, but I do think it'd be interesting to see her, like, go bad. Because I like, I really like relating to a bad guy. It, like, really gets me interested in, like, a, a clash yeah. of forces when I really have a backstory of a bad guy. And Thanos, like, Thanos did have a, a good bad guy story, to be fair. But hers seems much more, like, real now. Like, and she's revealed herself as, like, maybe slightly relatable in the sense that she's... She's flawed because of grief, um, and that's an okay thing to do. But like, she's also powerful, so I think it would make an interesting tea up. Although it is like quite tropey to see her dabble in the bad side. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's where it's going. What did you what What did you think about the end scene when she's in like the cabin? I didn't really understand what I was supposed to take from it. She was just in the back room creating an idyllic version of herself. Sat, I think it was supposed to be like an astral projection. Like, uh, in, you've seen Doctor Strange, yeah? yeah? Yeah, there's like a bit in Doctor Strange where in his sort of like little training montage, he is asleep, but he's also astral projecting himself reading. I think like one of the, you know, like the, the one of her um, 
the physical version of her is her making a little a little cup of tea and sitting out sitting out on the cabin and having a cup of tea and the the astral projection is like her consciousness like learning everything in the dark hold which mm. is like that book of dark magic that agatha harkness had um one thing that stands out uh is in the final scene where she puts the children to sleep before killing them <laughs> which i i mean just a, a little like tangent to the side i didn't know whether to be really grossed out by that scene or like i was really i found the bit where she said goodbye to vision really touching but i thought there was something really grim and weird about uh, like putting her kids to sleep and then them just ceasing to exist yeah it was it was it was horrible i was crying i was crying some... but uh it was it was unsettling as fuck that's what i liked about it it had, I don't know, to me it had grim undertones. It it had connotations. Uh, I mean, I, obviously it was not intended this way, but I just, I couldn't help but feel that it had weird undertones of like, like, you know, when you hear, hear about a guy who like kills his family and then kills himself. Yeah. <laughs> it had, I, I know that it was not, intended that way in any way but it just it had some weird creepy undertones to me that i found uncomfortable <laughs> but that aside she uh she says to them uh thank you for choosing me to be your mother hmm. i think uh in the comics her children are created i think as like pieces of like a essentially the devil in the Ma- the mc in the marvel universe is a character called mephisto they are like manifested from Mephisto's soul or something to that effect. Right. So I think there's like, there was some sort of connotation there that she didn't just create those kids. Like they are, they are her real children from some other universe or something. They they are like entities from somewhere else. Yeah. And they, they allowed her to bring them in to be, their mother right and so in that final scene you see her reading the dark hold and you hear the kids yeah, 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 yeah. shout shout mom so there i think like their spirits like what whoever whatever she used to manifest them into into the hex they exist somewhere else and i think the next thing is she's going to be going out and finding them which i think will lead to mephisto being brought into the MCU. Well, that sounds quite interesting. They're obviously leaning really hard into the to the magic aspect now mm. because they've sort of retconned her backstory to her actually being a magic character like Doctor Strange. Mm. And she's going to be in Doctor Strange's film. Agatha Harkness is like the first like witch character that we've mm. had. Uh so yeah, I think like that's where it's headed. And they're obviously, this is another thing, I guess, getting back to my Quicksilver criticism. They obviously are doing multiverse stuff because Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And also it's heavily rumored that the Spider-Man 3 film is going to be like a multiverse crossover because Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are in it. (laughs) So like, it's obvious that we're going to see some wacky sort of like different universes collide and kind of thing. Um and I guess I trust Marvel in the same way that like I trust FromSoft to not mess up Elden Ring. I am a little bit sort of concerned that they might do the whole like you are a too powerful woman, now you die thing. 
I'm a little concerned, but I think the MCU have proved that they've got a solid track record and I don't think that they'll sort of fall foul to that sort of thing. So yeah, I'm optimistic about where things are headed. And I think it's only like two weeks and then Falcon and Winter Soldier comes out. So we can <laughs> we can talk about that <laughs> when that's finished. Yeah. Are you looking forward to that? Yeah, just because of just because of Bucky. You shag Bucky, you. I I'd fucking I'd slot him. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't really like Falcon that much. The trailer, the trailer reminds me of um, oh, Ultra Carbon, because he he's in that, and there was loads of scenes where they were like really it's all very neon, like they were probably in Tokyo or something. Which one's in Ultra Carbon? Uh, Anthony Mackie is he in it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've watched, I've only watched in, a few episodes of Alton Car. He's in season two. He becomes the like the re-sleeve of um, Joseph Kinnaman. Is that his name? Joel Kinnaman. Yeah, him. He, he he's the reskin of him. It's right, his cool. personality, but in a different body. Um, it's just it's kind of cool. But it reminded me of that. There was mm. like a mo- there was a moment of like five seconds in the trailer where I was just like, "Fucking hell, this Alton Car." Yeah, jarred me out a bit, uh, but. No, it it does look really good. I'm excited for it. And all the trailers look like they're like dabbling a bit further into that wider genre influence, I think. Um, rather than just being superhero things. Yeah, I'm I mean I'm I'm looking forward to I'm not like I'm more excited for Loki. Have you seen the trailer for Loki? Yeah. Yeah, that looks that looks class. I'm really looking forward to that. Um which is weird because I don't really like Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> Uh, I think he's good as Loki, but I've never really sort of like loved Loki as a character, but that series in particular looks really good. Right. Um, yeah, I, I'm Falcon Winter Soldier's out in like a couple of weeks and a lot of the stuff that I'm most interested by in that uh, wasn't in the trailer. So I'm sort of mm. waiting with bated breath to see kind of what they do. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I'm excited to get into it and keep up with it for the first time in my life. Um, if I can. I don't feel like I don't feel the same sort of excitement as I imagine you feel for either of mm. them, Loki or Falcon and the um, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I've uh, I got particularly animated in this episode. I'd quite like to do another one. <laughs> you did when Falcon and Winter Soldier ends because I'm sure I've got a pit. I'll have some spirited opinions about that as well. Yeah, these are these have been some of the most spirited opinions I've ever seen you have. And I'm like w- flailing about wildly and screaming and spitting and thing about that right <laughs> it's fucking it's a fucking <sighs> just fucking losing my rag <laughs> um how many sausage bean and cheese melts would you give um would you give one division i'd give it a solid four. Oh, oh that's tough i'll say uh i'll give it a nine because <laughs> even though even though it sounds like i just trashed a good chunk of it. I knew that the chunk of it that I wasn't particularly, that I didn't particularly love. I knew that that was, uh, that that was coming because it's Marvel and it had to have big fights and a lot of exposition explaining everything. But the, the stuff that was really good, uh, is some of the best stuff that's ever the MCU's ever had. And it's a brilliant start to phase four. And I'm really excited to see more. Yeah, definitely. What about you? Give it like a nine and a half. 
one of those one of those classic scores. Well, I can't quite give it a ten because I don't want to give it a ten because of the inclusion of fucking sword. Um, but if that if that, that never existed and there was more time spent on the good stuff, or even if the series was just like six episodes rather than nine, um, it would have been great. But I, I loved it. Like you know, like the mid show trailers and stuff in those first few episodes were really good. Um, yeah, they were so good. Yeah, we've all... missed out. I mean, there was so much stuff that, like, I guess we we've all, we've missed out a ton of stuff. We went deep. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we went deep on the on our core points. Like Monica Rambeau, um, I didn't love her inclusion. I felt like that was only there so that she you could see her getting powers on screen, and she didn't really add anything to. You know, by the end, she was just sort of standing around, just. Mm. Like I'm, I'm here. Yeah, I didn't. This is, I didn't like. This is all happening, and I'm here. <laughs> I didn't like any of the, any of the sort of side characters, to be honest. Like, but in that last episode, the biggest problem for me was that um, it was just so many interested parties. <laughs> there must have been about five or six, and half of them like it, nothing actually amassed to anything. Like even Sword went in, pulled their guns out, like pointed them at kids, then just like left. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like no one actually amounted to anything by the end of it. And but the story, the story of like wonder and vision and stuff was wrapped up really nicely, and I thought all that bit was great. But the rest, they were just there for the sake of it. I was just like, what are you doing? They were just Marvel tropes, like in the way. You know what I mean? It was too yeah. There was too much extraneous stuff that was there to set up future things. Mm. You know, like they clearly they put Monica Rambeau in it to uh, to give her powers, so. That you she would have powers for Captain Marvel too and Secret Invasion, which obviously she's going to be in. Yeah, you know, like it was kind of like they would just get it. It's in a in a lot of ways like some of the early early Marvel stuff that's not that great, like Iron Man two, like that was full of that sort of stuff where it was like this isn't really important to the plot, but we need you to see this because it will be important later. It's like I get that, but it's also not really good storytelling when you're watching something and you expect it to have some sort of implication and resolution in the story you're watching, and it doesn't because it's just there for later. That is kind of annoying. Yeah. I think Marvel are just like in love with themselves over the idea that like by Endgame and Infinity War, they were like amassing like multiple different universes and characters on screen that like had never before, mm. never seen before in like film history. It's like, oh, look how many different things are on it. It's like 45 characters all on screen. It's like, they're like in love with that idea and it's like, at this point, it's like, just just tell like a one, or just tell a small story. Like, I don't, I don't need it to be that escalated by the end. Yeah. And then they were just like very quickly in the last couple of episodes, like, oh, what's going to happen here? And then like, what's a face? Uh, Kat Dennings, her character from Thor, she just like started ramming into like the sword guy out of nowhere on a, on a, like in a bus. She was on the, she was on screen for quite a while and I get the, the science behind realising about the hex, but that was where her character needed to end. She didn't need to go in and steal a bus and then kill someone who I also don't care about. Do you know what I mean? I was just like, fuck, so what's happening in this last episode? But it was so good that like, until now, thinking about the last episode, I didn't really care about the fact that I didn't like the last episode because the rest of it was so outstanding that I didn't, I didn't mind Marvel doing that what they feel like they need to do for a mass audience, you know? Yeah. Well, I think, I think that's it. (laughs) I think we've, 
I feel like I'm lighter now. <laughs> like I've just gotten all of that off my chest. Like it's been building up in, under my eyes <laughs> like three or four days. Like I've been like looking forward to just vomiting out my opinions on podcasts. So yeah. it was a very good show and uh, we're both excited to see future things. Yeah, yeah, and I think definitely. it's only a short wait for Falcon Winter Soldier. And I think they announced today that Loki will be out in June 11th. So Really? It's, yeah, Marvel Overload. There's going to be so much Marvel. We're not going to know what to do with all of our Marvel. Yeah, this We're going to have too much Marvel. This will be where I start getting a backlog and then watch it all in about six years when it starts coming yeah. to an end. <laughs> oh, no. you got. I'm going to make you watch it <laughs> as I watch it's my it. my homework. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Have you done your homework? What do I need to watch? Uh, I need to watch Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Loki. Get it all watched now. We've got an episode coming. I'm about to spit bars for 45 minutes. <laughs> spit bars. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess it's time for this week's Steve. Do you want to explain what this week's Steve is? Do you like that I keep handing that over to you? No, yeah. that, that's your thing. You, it's because you're trying to subconsciously sell me on the idea that this like segment is definitely called This Week's Steve and this is what the character of it is. You love the name. You told me that you love the name. <laughs> I'm sold in on it now. But at first I was like, what the bloody hell is going on about? You were just slowly chipping away at me for like the first few episodes. Oh, oh this week, Steve. Ha ha ha. And I was like, oh, that's funny. Nice one. And then this, all of a sudden it's part of our regular notes. It's got some fucking spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's part of the furniture now. Everybody, uh, everybody loves the name. But I mean, I was... Especially you. <laughs> Bit of a fourth wall breaking, but this episode's, what, four days after the last one? I haven't really watched anything. I've failed to watch Raya and the Last Dragon, as discussed. Um, I haven't really watched anything. But I've been playing Super Mario Odyssey. And what do you think? Really enjoying it, yeah. It's so good. Yeah, I was having loads of moments where it's like, oh, this is fun. And at first I was trying to be too completionist, and I remember you telling me that, like, you could try and be really completionist and finish it and still only have half of the power moves. So I just yeah. sort of let myself just flow through it and just enjoy it for what it is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's really good. And I think I'm really enjoying having a Switch now because I'm forcing myself to play it handheld. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like... Well, you, did you only play it on TV before? Yeah, you? pretty much. So I was comparing it too much to like a PS4. I mean, I've got nowhere to go, but now I like sit on the sofa with like YouTube on or like watch t- some yeah. shit TV in the background. And it, That's mostly how I play Switch. The, I, I dock it sometimes as a treat. <laughs> so it's, like, it's like a little treat. It's a little 1080p treat. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm really enjoying it. It's, the Mario's really good. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great. It's just a very like, light, fun game. I haven't played it in a while. It's one of those things that I just kind of put on every now and again. I'm like, oh, I'll get some more power moons. I'll probably never get the full 999, but... It's weird because as like, far as like platformers go, especially like 3D platformers, I, that's actually like my first Mario game, I think. Yeah, it's mm. absolutely absolute my first Mario game. Um, really? Yeah. Um, and when I played it, I was a bit like, oh, I really like Spyro the Dragon. I don't want to play Mario. And I was playing it, and like yeah. after like two or three stages, I was like, I'm never fucking playing Spyro ever again. Shit. <laughs> it... I used to be a Crash Bandicoot man. Like that was my, like for me, Crash Bandicoot was my platformer. And now I think that that is lunacy. <laughs> Mario is the best platformer of all time. Yeah, I'd, I'd the, say so. The Mario series, they, they're, they're fucking so good. What's the date? Is it, are we still in March? Ninth, I've lost all sense of time. Ninth of March. You should get 
I think Super Mario 3D All-Stars is no longer available from the end of this month. Right. You should get get that. Are you sure? Um, That's the old ones are in it. Yeah, but Super Mario 64 is re- still really, really good. Right. <laughs> in fact, I mean, of the three, I had Sunshine when I was a kid and... I was most excited to play that one. That's actually probably the worst of the 3D Mario platformers, in my opinion. Super Mario Galaxy is amazing. Mm. And uh, Super Mario 64 is like, it's dated and it's got some immensely frustrating bits in it, but it's still a really, really fucking good game. And it's it's, Galaxy the one where they're on like little planets. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That looks sick. I do love that. It's it's nuts. It's a really... uh, it's got great music. It's like oh, it's just a great game. Yeah. Uh, definitely, you should if you if you can get a hold of it. I would definitely recommend you do that. Um, mm-hmm. But Odyssey, I think Odyssey is my favorite one. Yeah, of all of them, it's, I think Odyssey is my favorite. Seems like it'd be like that'd be the case. Like it's pretty outstanding. You can tell that even yeah. from me playing it without playing any of the others. You can tell it's quite like a a love letter to everything else. You know. It's like yeah. this is the ultimate experience of Mario, like two day. Um I think if you play the older ones as well, you'll gain more of an appreciation for Odyssey mm. because Odyssey does. I mean, all of the Mario games reference themselves in some way, but if you go back and play the older ones and then kind of compare them, you see the way that they've the ideas have developed and also the way that they're still referencing stuff from like Super Mario 64 mm. and earlier in the newer games. Mm. I love how it uh, I, I loved like the little I can't remember some of the nods, but I love like it has loads of nods to other games. At least I thought it did. So like the Leaf Kingdom to me seemed like a, a massive nod to Near Automata. Even the boss in the really? even the boss in the Leaf Kingdom was like a, a, a near automata boss. How it like fires like um, solid circles that you have to like navigate 3D wise. It was very, I get, yeah. it was very near automata. And then even the coloring and stuff was like proper. It was quite on par mm. with it. Um, and even the boss itself was sort of like mechanical. Um, mm. And I was quite like, oh, this is cool. I didn't know whether they did it on purpose or what, but mm, I guess I know what you mean. I I'd never really thought about that, but it seems. I mean, it's probably likely. I think. I think Nintendo have kind of been quite open about where they've been influenced by other games, so yeah. there might be some something in that. Yeah. Um, I haven't really been playing or watching a lot. I've been watching Thirty Rock. Mm. Um, it's like my new put it on in the background and just laugh when I hear something funny. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's like, like a lot of American, uh, I don't know if it counts as a sitcom, but I'm going to call it one. Uh, like a lot of American sitcoms, um, the first series isn't great. And then once it kind of finds its niche and gets in its stride, it gets really, really funny and becomes like more sort of just surreal and silly. Yeah. Um, but I'm enjoying that, and I'm still playing Ocarina of Time on the 3DS. Uh, and controversial opinion, I'm enjoying it, but also, like, it's too long, and I'm getting a bit sick of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, right on the final dungeon now. I'm very close to finishing it, <clears throat> but I've been playing it a fair bit, and it's taken me, like, probably maybe maybe, like, two weeks to finish. And it's not particularly that 
it's a super long game. It's the it's because it's quite old. It's got a lot of really weird fucking obtuse stuff, and I'm like, yeah, like sort of like wandering around like an idiot trying to work out what to do yeah, next. I find it quite hard to keep myself uh, my attention span quite high with like old games when I replay them. Um, yeah, it can be a bit. I was doing that with Akami. Have you ever heard of Akami? I've heard of I was it. Playing yeah. that like three or four weeks ago, and I started it. From, I got about a third of the way through, and I was like, it's becoming a real chore. Because it's just, they're just not quite the same anymore, you know? Once the nostalgia rubs off and you're just playing the game, you start just critiquing it as a current game, you know? I usually sort of get past that. Like, I find that I struggle a little bit with all the games when I first start them. And then once I'm going and I've sort of got my head around it, it gets quite easy. And like, for the most part, like the puzzles in Ocarina of Time are pretty, uh, they're pretty straightforward. It's not like, it's not a terribly difficult game, but it's it's the in-between bits where it's like, you know, you've got to run across fucking Hyrule Field as Child Link and you don't have access to the horse. So it's like, it takes ages to get everywhere and the world feels kind of big and empty for like, because it's just an old game, you know? like they're, Just like Breath of the Wild then. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Couldn't go an episode without slagging it off. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not rising to that. Um, yeah. But I, I mean, I, it's one of those things where it's like, it's a sacred cow. Like you're not allowed to criticize Ocarina of Time because it's like, it's a classic. Yes. And I understand why it's a classic, but I'm not entirely sure I agree with the people who are like, oh, like it hasn't aged a day. Like, it, you know, it still holds up. <laughs> it's, it's enjoyable when it's, when it's sort of like it's going along at a good pace, but I definitely think there's too many dungeons in it. Uh, mm. The first third of the game is too slow and a bit like, ugh, it's a bit of a slog. And uh, and like I, I'm glad that I've played it so that I can say that I've beaten Ocarina of Time and that like I I I know the game now. Yeah, but I just want it to fucking end. <laughs> and I'm gonna play. Ma- I'm gonna play Majora's Mask next. So <laughs> probably gonna have exactly the same thing, but I have to play them. What's that? What's what's Majora's Mask got? That's on. Is that on your? Is that on your new DS? No, it's on a 3DS as well. Um, ah, 3DS. Yeah. I bought. I bought the DS because I wanted a Game Boy Advance, and. Uh, Oh yeah, I forgot they've got the little uh, yeah you can under bit. Aren't yeah, they? I got it so you can play. So I could play Game Boy Advance games on it. Um, because it it comes with like I got it for like forty five quid, and it's comes with a bunch of Game Boy Advance games, including Zelda: A Link to the Past, which is a good game, and I'd like to play it on the game. I'd like to play the Game Boy Advance version of it. So I thought, why not? Snazzy. Yeah. There you go. So yeah. Should we uh, wrap it up? Let's wrap this one off. Let's fucking do it. That's it for this week. Thanks a lot for listening. Uh, you can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at, at ButtonChopsPod. Uh, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts as it helps us out massively according to this script that I've written for myself. <laughs> and if you want to drop us a line, you can DM us or email us at ButtonChopsPodcast at gmail.com. Nobody has written to us yet. But if I keep saying it, one day someone will. Don't say that. The illusion, the illusion needs to be that many people have written to us. No, this is. I'm all about transparency. <laughs> I'm about. I, we've had enough of this opaque 
opaque nonsense where, where I'm opening things up to the people. Yeah. I'm babbling now. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at, at Beezus and follow my YouTube channel, Little Davy Reviews Things. I'm doing reviews for shit Nintendo games. Uh, I've got a doozy coming out tomorrow. You're going to love it. What is it? Uh, <laughs> have you heard of Speaking Simulator? <laughs> played a game called speaking simulator it's actually a really really good game <laughs> i was a bit like i i was going through the e-shop looking for like weird stuff to play and all of the things that stands out that's jump out immediately and you go oh like that looks like hilariously bad they always turn out to be really good and speaking simulator was great but uh yeah that's up on my youtube channel um i, p- I picked up a to- i picked up a nice game off the e-shop that I was uh, playing, I was thinking of uh, bringing in as a little rad recommendation over the next couple of episodes, but I won't, t- I won't tell you what it is. Yeah, we're going to have to bring back the rad recommendations. It's been it's been too long since we've had one on the show, <laughs> so maybe in a in a, a coming an upcoming episode we can talk about that. Yeah. Is there anything you want to add? No. My Instagram and Twitter is cleverwoot, and uh, I have had a lot of fun today. Um, thank you very much, guys. yep that'll do it um i've also had a lot of fun and i can't wait to talk about falcon and winter soldier uh um see you next week bye bye